Hello, and welcome to the Nate Morris Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate. And uh, as I usually start off our episodes, I would like to invite you, if you could, to do me a favor and uh, rate this podcast on your podcasting platform or click the like button or subscribe on this. Um, And when you do those things, it helps us get kind of bumped up a little bit in the algorithm so that more people can find this podcast and uh, hear um, what we're talking about. So we'd really appreciate your help with that. Um, And as I always say, you can follow me or connect with me on social media, um, my Facebook page or Instagram at NateMorris1. I don't really do the Twitter thing. Uh, Also, my website is PastorNate.com, which is PastorN. 8.com pastor n and then the number 8.com or mountainlife.church would love to connect with you either of those places as well and then um i really would love your input or thoughts on future podcast episodes if you have questions about hot topics or things that you would like to to hear discussed on this podcast uh, you can share those with me by emailing me at nate at mountainlife.church that's nate at mountainlife.church um, would love your ideas and would love to to talk about those uh, difficult questions you may have about the Bible, about God, about cults, about uh, life or politics or whatever might come across your mind um, that you would like to hear discussed. So share those with me. And, uh, you know, on this show, we really like to talk about hot button issues, about hot topics, about things that uh, maybe are sometimes divisive or things that maybe don't we don't talk about a lot in church just because it's not where the text leads us. Um, this is kind of my opportunity to kind of throw some thoughts and things out there. Uh, if I'm, you know, just hearing a lot about stuff in the community or in conversations with people. And so I can take this opportunity then to share those things and talk about them with other people. So, uh, you know, we've talked about everything from racism and race relations to um to, you know, politics, to vaccine mandates, to all kinds of different stuff, all the hot button subjects. And, uh, you know, is it the end times that we're living in these types of questions? And it's been really great to be able to do that just to kind of uh, have a forum just to share those things. And, And I know we've gotten a lot of good feedback on those things. Now, interestingly, you know, there's a couple topics that seem to be hotter than other topics. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing to me is that one of our most popularly highly downloaded episodes recently um, was not, you know, on political things or vaccines or uh, end times. It was actually on the podcast episode that I did on the Enneagram. Um, you know, uh, a couple months ago, I, I released an, an episode hosting Marsha Montenegro, who is a former astrologer and now an apologist. An apologist is someone who defends the faith of Christianity. Um, and she... Um, shared about the Enneagram and her studies into the Enneagram and its occult roots and um, the people who came up with it and where they said that they got the content from for the Enneagram. And so um, I I had this podcast and we talked about it and we discussed it and just kind of threw it out there. And I didn't think it was going to actually get that much traction, but it's proven to be one of our most highly downloaded uh, podcasts. And not only that, it's actually generated some interesting feedback uh, from my end of things when people contacting me 
uh, with questions or thoughts or concerns or um, even frustrations about the, the, <laughs> the podcast. And so what I wanted to do is give you a little bonus episode on the Enneagram, just a little bit of a bonus like, hey, I'm going to go back and revisit some things because uh, in the, the the topic of the podcast, we discussed it. There, there's a few you know avenues we took and talked about what, what it is and, and why it's something that maybe Christians should avoid. Um, and some of the questions that came out of that had some really good questions that I thought I'd like to address in a second podcast. So this is just going to be a quick, short monologue type podcast. I don't have a guest host on today. I'm just going to kind of share some of my thoughts with you. But some of the questions I had were, you know, why, why is the Enneagram bad because of its occult roots, but things like Christmas trees and um, Easter eggs are not bad because of their occult roots? Or, you know, um, why does it matter that there's no empirical evidence for it? And um, I found it useful. So if it's useful, how can it be bad? Or why would I not want to engage in it if it's if I find it helpful for me? Uh, these types of questions have come up. And so I want to go back and just kind of clearly revisit um, my personal objection to the Enneagram and uh, why I believe that Christians should be very careful when it comes to utilizing the Enneagram or um, just taking, you know, taking self awareness from the Enneagram. So um, first, I just want to start off, you know, we talk about a lot of hot button subjects on this podcast. And, you know, I I really want to remind us that there are certain things to divide over and there are things that are not to divide over. And the Enneagram is not a hill to die on for me. You know, recently I gave a message at church about where we divide, you know, come up with these dividing lines for there there are things that we should divide over. um, And there are things that we should just debate and decide on. And so there's kind of four categories. And I've talked about this before and it was, you know, it it was come up with by somebody else, but we have those doctrines and those teachings that are things that we are willing to die over, which really comes down to the gospel. Like who is Jesus? Who are we? And how are we saved? It's like, that's, that's a hard stop for me. Then there are the things that are worth dividing over. That might be things like somebody who teaches the prosperity doctrine I really wouldn't want to partner with them in ministry. I'm going to be, you know, standing next to them in heaven if they believe the true gospel and they believe in the true God. We're going to be worshiping together. We did a podcast on this recently um, with Scott Cunningham talking about these kind of divisions. I I don't want to like, you know, pretend like they're anathema to me, but I might not do ministry with them. And then there's doctrines to debate over, which is just like, you know what? I, I feel strongly about this and this is why. Um, and that would be kind of for me where the Enneagram would fall. And then there are the doctrines that we just decide on and you just make up your own mind and you decide what you're going to do. So as we go into my recent podcast with, you know, discussions about unity in the church and those types of things, the Enneagram for me is something that I think Christians should be personally careful about, but I don't know that it's a divisive issue, an issue that should be divided over, that we should divide the church because somebody feels strongly about it one way or the other. So all of that said, I'm going to give you my download on the Enneagram. I'm going to give you my kind of the, the process that got me there because I generally do take a gracious approach to, um, to doc, secondary doctrines. And I generally do take a gracious approach to things like uh, Christmas trees and Easter eggs and things that, that many people believe may have cult origins. And that's for, for a different episode. Both of those things actually have Christian origins, which is cool. But, um, you know, I, I, I generally take that kind of generous 
uh, orthodoxy towards those things. Uh, you just I wouldn't divide over them and kind of hold them loosely. But the Enneagram for me has been different. And it, it starts with a conversation that I overheard at church. Um, and I just had some spiritual discernment. I, I overheard some people talking about the Enneagram. And um, as I heard this discussion, for some reason, I just had some red flag spiritual discernment going on in my spirit. And I really didn't understand it. Kind of like hair standing up on the back of your neck is how I describe it. And, you know, um, I believe that discerning of spirits is one of my spiritual gifts. God's used this in my life in the past. Um, just seen it play out in different ways. And this was one of those moments like, ah, something's not right here. And then in listening to this conversation, these folks seemed far too into this for it just to be a simple personality tool and test. It, it, it seemed to be taking the place of the Holy Spirit in their spiritual formation dialogue, which was concerning to me. Now, I personally like personality tests. I think it's interesting and I kind of nerd out on those types of things, um, you know, but th this conversation just seemed way too focused on the Enneagram as a method of self-discovery and change rather than growing, growing closer to Jesus and walking in the spirit as our method of change and growth in that. And so um, I thought it was probably just a fad and I didn't really think all that much about it until later when I heard a podcast on the Enneagram and its origins and purpose. And that was when the pieces really fell into place for me as I heard that the, the linking of the Enneagram to personality types actually came from two men who had deep occult roots, even claiming that they had received these personality types and their link to the diagram of the Enneagram from what they called archangels via automatic writing. And, you know, that they had names even for them. Metatron was the, the name of the supposed archangel that delivered this information to them. And so, um, you know, obviously somebody who does not believe in Jesus, somebody who has occult roots and uh, occult spiritism roots for them, an archangel is what we would call a demon. So, this is a demon speaking to them or even giving automatic writing, which is their hand just moving without them thinking about what they're writing and writing these things down. And so at this moment, as I heard this, this all began to click into place. And this podcast was featuring Marsha Montenegro, who I had on my podcast before. And I started to have this deep spiritual unsettling about this because it was the, the, the source of this teaching was demonic. The source of the teaching was demonic, which literally means it's a doctrine. A doctrine is a teaching. It's a doctrine of demons. And, and thinking about that, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 came to mind, which says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to let a doctrine, a teaching of a demon infiltrate my life. It's just something I don't really want to do. Now, some would say, well, why do you have a problem with this, but not with Christmas trees or Easter eggs? And, you know, those things actually have become a moot point just because Christmas trees and Easter eggs actually have Christian origins the more you dig into it. But even if they did have pagan roots, if the root was pagan, um, those aren't spiritual tools. They're simple, fun things and traditions and ways of celebrating. They're not actually, you know, no one's claiming that a Christmas tree is going to help you discover your true self and find God, right? That's <laughs> just not how it works. No one's saying that an Easter egg is going to give you insight into who you are and how God's created you. 
But see, this is what the Enneagram claims. It claims to give you insight into who you are and how you can and should interact with the world and with God. Um, and so, you know, the Enneagram is not just a, it's not just a fun tradition or um, a, an Easter egg or something like that. It's quite literally a teaching that has its roots in the demonic realm, as is self-revealed by its authors. The, the authors of the, the, the personality types being tied to the, the diagram of the Enneagram say that they received this via automatic writing from this demon, Metatron. And so essentially, the, the Enneagram is a spiritual tool. And it's a spiritual tool that doesn't have God as its source. What is the source? Well, it has demons as the source, or at very least, deluded occultists are its source, right? So it's either truly demonic and it was given by demons, or it's these deluded people who dabble in the demonic realm who have written this. Now, if I am trying to draw closer to God and honor God in my life, and I want to use a spiritual tool to do that, does using one that sat, that was developed by demons or occultists actually make sense? I mean, just, just going through an A plus B equals C type of thing. If I want to have a spiritual tool to help me draw closer to God, to help me interact better with other human beings, does it actually make sense to use a tool that was developed by d- demons at, at worst or by at best by deluded occultists who are on hallucinogenic drugs? I mean, does it really make sense to do that? Why would I use a spiritual tool from a pagan or occult source? You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21 says, you can't drink the Lord of the, the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. You can't do both at the same time. You're drinking from one or the other, right? And so that was just the beginning. As I began to pray and study this issue, you know, I was just thinking about this. I'm like, man, it has a demonic source. That's weird. And then I started wondering, well, what's Satan's motivation for developing such a tool? I mean, why? What's in it for him? And what's the harm in it for us? That's the other question that comes up. It's like, what's the, what's the harm in doing the Enneagram or using the Enneagram? In fact, many people have said, I found it to be helpful in my relationship. So what's the harm in it? Well, as I dug into what the, the intended purpose of the Enneagram is, it starts to become more clear. It's not, it's not just a personality tool. The Enneagram isn't just to help you discover how to communicate better or improve um, your yourself. Uh, it, it's not just a personality tool. It's a spiritual tool. And um, here is the the quote verbatim stated purpose of the Enneagram from Richard Rohr, who is uh, the one who popularized the Enneagram in the church. And uh, Richard Rohr is, is, he's actually not a, he's not an Orthodox Christian. And so it's kind of ironic to me that he's the one that popularized this teaching in the church. He's someone who denies uh, many things about the gospel. And um, so I, I would avoid Richard Rohr. Um, he is one of those that I would divide from. He's one of those that, that, that when it comes to the four categories of division, he's the hill to die on. He's like, no, he doesn't teach the real gospel. So um, so Richard Rohr is the one who popularized it in the church with um, just, I think it was the, the, the Enneagram for Christians or something. I don't know the exact book title, but he popularized it in the church. And all of the authors of the major current Christian books on the Enneagram were written either by his disciples, 
or disciples of his disciples. And so again, we need to look at the source of this. This guy doesn't believe the true gospel. He's a, a universalist. He's a, a perennialist, which essentially believes that all religions are true and you just fall, fall into your lane and they all kind of end at the same place. That's not that's not the Christian gospel. And so um, all of the, the books that have been written on this were written either by him or his disciples or disciples of his disciples. And this is what Richard Rohr had to say about the purpose of the Enneagram. This is a quote. He said, the purpose of the Enneagram is not self-improvement, which would be our ego's goal. Rather, it is the transformation of consciousness so that we can realize our essence, our true self. Personality development and character building will happen on the side as a corollary, but this is not its primary goal. The primary goal of any spiritual tool is union with God or truth And then we get united with ourselves in the process. So Richard Rohr, the guy who has popularized this, the guy who has tried to put a Christian spin on the Enneagram, says that the purpose of the Enneagram is not self-improvement. Rather, it's transformation of consciousness so that we can realize our essence, our true self. That's the purpose as stated by Richard Rohr. And this is what I believe is the real issue with the Enneagram. It's a spiritual tool that's designed to help us search for our authentic self and unite us with what it describes as the truth. Now, you might hear that and you might be thinking, okay, well, what's the harm in that? But see, this is a new age Eastern mysticism concept that has at its root the belief that our liberation as people comes in our self-discovery and then as a result of that, living your truth. Now, is that a phrase that you've heard recently, your truth, my truth. Um, this is the, the root for modern day identity theory. This is the root for LGBTQ theory. Uh, this is the root for all the other social theories that are currently undermining the basic truth of the gospel in our culture today. Now, according to this worldview, this true self and this authentic self worldview, there's no real sin except not being true to yourself. You, in order to be enlightened or gain the true knowledge, you need to be true to who you are at your core. And sin is anything that prevents you from that. This is something that is in direct contradiction to what the Bible teaches us about sin. See, the Bible tells us that sin is lawlessness, uh, spiritual adultery, and it's cosmic betrayal against a just and holy God. That's what the Bible tells us about sin. And ultimately, the Bible tells us that at our core, we are hopelessly lost and cut off from God because nothing good lies in me that is in my flesh. That's from Romans chapter 7, verse 18. You know, the Bible tells us that we were, by nature, enemies of God and children of wrath. That's Colossians 1.21. See, when we look at our core, we cannot help but be found to be hopelessly lost and cut off from God. Romans chapter eight, verse seven and eight says, so people become enemies of God when they're controlled by their human nature, but they do not obey God's law. And in fact, they cannot obey it. Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. And so essentially, if I achieve the stated goal of the Enneagram and I have a great self-revelation and I get back to my authentic self and live my truth, what I'm doing is I'm finding my true human nature. And by definition, when I'm doing that, I cannot please God and I am God's enemy. You know, it tells us in Jeremiah that the the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? 
See, the Enneagram's purpose is to help me get back to my heart, my authentic self. But see, the Bible tells me that I am lost, I am dead in my sin, and I need to be born again. See, the problem with the Enneagram is it is an identity tool. It defines who you are, and it defines your identity, not in Jesus Christ as the Bible defines your identity. The Enneagram defines your identity in your authentic self, which is not your true self in Jesus Christ, because you are a new creation. See, the Enneagram's purpose, which is not always how it's used, mind you, I'm not, I'm not saying that everybody uses it this way, but its intended purpose is to discover your true self and thereby to find salvation in your truth. And because of this, its intended purpose is anti-gospel. What it's doing is it's saying that the answer lies within you. And what you need to do is strip off your shadow selves and get to your authentic self. But see, the gospel says that salvation comes in dying to yourself and finding life in Jesus. See, the Enneagram says the answer lies within, and the gospel says the answer lies in Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No, see, here's what the scriptures have to say about our authentic self, which is what the Enneagram would like to help you find. See, if we are Christians, that self is dead. They don't need any revelation. We don't need to understand it better. What we need is to be born again and be our new self in Jesus Christ. And so uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24 says this, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And so we put off our old self, we put off our authentic self, and we put on the new self, the new creation that we are in Jesus Christ. We are a brand new creation in Jesus Christ, which leads me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, which says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, if you're in Jesus, the person you were apart from Christ is dead. We don't need to spend time focusing on learning about that person. We need to be the new person we're created in Jesus Christ. Again, Romans chapter six, verse six says this, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So the, the person that we were was crucified, hung on a cross and dead so that the, the body that was ruled by sin could just be done away with. And now we're set free in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter two, verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the person that I am and was, was crucified on the cross and it's no longer me living, but Christ living in me. Now, of course I have my God-given personality and the God-given potential and the God-given uniqueness that he has given me, but that is not found in finding my authentic self. That is found in living in Christ and abiding in Christ. Colossians chapter three, verse one through four says this, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. 
And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So he says, hey, since you've been raised with Jesus, set your mind on things above, set your heart on things above, where Christ is, not on earthly things. See, when I'm focusing on finding my authentic self and stripping off my shadow selves through the Enneagram, I'm focusing on earthly things, not on heavenly things. And I can only dig deeper into my flesh, not into the spirit. Now, again, I'm not saying that everyone that uses the Enneagram uses it in this way. And I do realize that there is potentially good that can come from using it. But I believe that this is precisely where the danger arises. Because because of the good, many people will latch on to the Enneagram. And there are many that won't have knowledge or discernment or understanding of the dangers. And they'll get caught up in this search for their authentic self, getting lost in the search for self and identity in the flesh. Ultimately, finding their truth rather than finding the truth, right? Finding their version of it rather than finding the reality of truth. See, at the, its core, the teaching of authentic self undermines the gospel and ultimately it paves the way for finding salvation in who you really are, supposedly, rather than in being born again. And see, uh, the, the the question of, is it useful? I, I found it useful. Well, you know, I, I, maybe you find some benefit in it, but the reality is second Peter chapter one, verse three says his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, essentially we have everything we need to live a life of godliness and growth through the knowledge of Christ. In knowing Jesus, the closer we grow to Jesus and the more time we invest in our relationship with him, the more growth and the more life and the more godliness we will experience. Now, unfortunately, too often we, myself included, we're willing to try almost anything and everything except the knowledge of him. We'll trust in the schemes and plans of men instead of the knowledge of him. We'll try knowing ourselves instead of the knowledge of him, which is exactly what the world is trying to tell us today, that we don't need God, we need to find ourselves. And it's exactly what the Enneagram is telling. We don't need God. We need to find ourselves. And as you find yourself, you'll find God and you'll understand all these things. But the reality is there is nothing good in me that is not from God. It's only when I find my life in Christ. It's only when I realize that I died and my life is now hidden with Christ and God that I find hope and, and power and life and encouragement. Now, you know, again, this is one of those things that it's not a hill to die on for me, but I really believe that this is something that can lead people astray and get people off track. And so um, I just wanted to share those thoughts with you, share those concerns with you. Um, you know, it's not the same as an Easter egg. It's not just a, a fun tradition or something like that. It's a spiritual tool that claims to give us spiritual insight into who we are, and into who God is. And that spiritual tool comes from a demonic source. And ultimately the goal of that spiritual tool is self-discovery, which is discovering who I was that has been nailed to the cross and killed rather than discovering Christ. And all that I need for life and godliness is found in the knowledge of him, not in the knowledge of me and digging into my past and digging into my mess and stripping off my shadow selves. It's found in growing closer to Jesus. It's found in abiding in Christ and digging into relationship with Christ. And so that is my heart for you as you listen is 
you know, maybe you listen to this and you decide, you know what, I'm still going to use the Enneagram, whatever. I don't, I disagree and that's fine. And this is not a hill to divide over. I agree all those things. Um, but my encouragement to you would just be this, find your life in Jesus, abide in Jesus. It's less in digging into ourselves. It's less in digging into who we think that we are or who other people think that we are and finding our authentic selves. It's about discovering life in Jesus. When you abide in the vine, you experience the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those things grow out of your life when you're connected to the vine. Not when you discover yourself and how you should express those things in relationship to other people in this big complicated system of all these things. No, 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 no. It's found in abiding in the vine. When you're connected and you're receiving the, the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life and the Holy Spirit is pouring through you and speaking through you, you don't have to try to do all of those things. You naturally exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in your life. It grows as a result of your relationship with Jesus. And see, that's the point of it all. It's all about relationship with Jesus. It's all about him. It's not about me. And that's what I really believe is a huge danger right now is the world is telling you that it's all about you. Everything's about you. And the problem with that is, is you're a pretty depressing subject to think about all the time. I know I am. The more I think about myself, the more depressed I get. But when I think about God and when I focus on the things above, not the things on earth, when I focus on Jesus and realize that I died and my life is now hidden with Christ in God, then I open the flow of the spirit into my life and I experience the power of the Holy Spirit moving through me. And I begin to grow in relationship with other people. And I begin to see the fruit of the spirit coming out of my life. And all of the things that I think that I need are taken care of. And I don't have to worry about it because God's in control and he's working in and through me. So um, again, this, like I said at the beginning, this is one of those topics that uh, I thought I should address just because it got a lot of traction in conversation going. And so I wanted to uh, give you just a little bonus episode on that. And uh, if you have questions or thoughts or concerns, or you disagree with me like wholeheartedly, I'd love to actually hear that. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can email me at nate at mountainlife.church. Um, would love to connect with you that way. Again, that's nate at mountainlife.church. And uh, if you'd like resources on this, or you'd like to talk more about this, I think that really what this gets at is identity. And identity is a huge issue today. And I think as Christians, we really need to understand that our identity is in Christ. Our identity is not in our behavior or our likes or our passions or our feelings. Our identity is in Jesus. And so we'll do some other podcasts on identity sometime soon, but um, just wanted to get that out there and throw a little more thought and a little more... Um, kind of uh, orchestrated thought into this to, to share with you kind of how I landed on that and why this is something that I would choose to, <laughs> to make an issue when there's so many other things that... Anyways, I just want to wrap up with the thought that, you know, here's the thing. If you believe in Jesus, you're good to go. Keep your eyes on him. Drove closer to him. Find that, that all that you need for life and godliness is found in him through the knowledge of him who called you by glory and virtue. He has given you what you need. 
and it's found in him. And, and I know the temptation is to try to look for it in all these other places. And I'm not saying don't read anything but your Bible. That's not what I'm saying at all. But everything that we need to live a life of godliness and growth is found in the knowledge of Jesus. Draw closer to him. The closer you grow to Jesus and the more time you invest in relationship with him, the more growth, the more life, and the more godliness you will experience in your life and the better your relationships will be and uh, the better your interaction with those around you will be as well. So that is all I have to say about that today. Glad to be with you again. If you can like or rate this on your podcasting platforms, that would be great. And um, stick around. We'll have some more episodes coming for you soon. 